0: Everybody and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycats podcast. Where, come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside
1: Connor Valtazor.
0: And if that lacked enthusiasm, yeah, yeah, we're going to be recapping the first loss of the year. It was K-State, the football team, losing 17 to 10 against the Tulane Green Wave. And I make no promises that I will not have to censor myself this episode because it's probably going to happen. But just let's let's start from the top. the The first thing to say is that we or rather, we made the assertion that Tulane was not a very good team going into this game. I still personally believe that. I'm not sure how you feel, Connor, but that, that's still my opinion.
1: And I'll I, elaborate
0: after your answer.
1: I, I truly didn't feel like Tulane played an incredible game. They had a really good offensive drive in the first quarter, but beyond that, they weren't phenomenal. I felt like a lot of the reason K-State lost was really self-inflicted in my view. This doesn't really change my view on Tulane as much as it really does change my view on K-State, at least for now.
0: Yeah, I I 100% agree with that sentiment. It's just this was a remarkably winnable game against a team that's not very good, against a team that we out-talent at nearly every single level, a team that we should have been able to throw deep on, a team that we should have been able to run on, and yet we just didn't execute. We didn't execute the entire game and believe me, we'll get more in depth in that at some point. But on the upside, the atmosphere for at least the first half was pretty good in my opinion. You know, people were still into the game even though there was a, a little bit of nervousness setting in about halfway through the third quarter whenever we realized, wait a minute, wait we're we're not just trolling right now. this is actually happening yeah yeah but outside of that I believe it was only 5 for 23 penalties but a lot of them were were very costly including a, a couple false false starts on short yardage situations where we really can't afford to have those I believe one of them was on KT and then to go along with that early issues Nate Matlick got injured didn't return Deuce Vaughn was cramping up was out for most of the third quarter KT had to step off the field, was replaced by Lane Gang. This this was a, a game that, you know, a lot of people were dinged up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that obviously made it worse, but I don't know how much their presence would have helped given that when they were on the field, we really weren't doing much better. Um. But yeah, the penalties, I think a, a lot of what we can draw from the penalties is... A lot of them happened pretty early yeah. in the game, as I recall. A lot of like snap infractions and uh, offsides, like jumping offsides. I, I think that speaks a lot to the lack of focus the team had coming into the game, at least as what it seems like from an outsider's perspective. That's the sort of thing that was an issue against Missouri for a bit. So you'd think if everybody was focused, they'd understand the, the snap count. And on defense, they'd understand when you're lined up on the nose watch the ball i, I don't go opposite quarterback like it i like i hate saying stuff like that as a lay person like i'm not on the team i don't play college football but at the same time like i i do think that speaks to a lack of of, of focus uh going to the game which i don't think anybody on the team would say that they they put their best foot forward in this game either because i don't i don't think anybody on the team put their best foot forward i think Maybe other than Cade Warner, I guess he had his best game in K State uniform.
0: But it might have been his best game in his career.
1: It, it probably was. I think that was his first career touchdown in this game too. But like it was a great I, catch. It was. It was an incredible catch and a great throw. That's about the only good play that happened, but um it was yeah, it was really great that one play. But no, it was a all around just horrible, horrible frustration. Yeah.
0: Another bright spot was the defense did their part. And I know your first reaction is to say, oh, well, they gave up 17 to Tulane. That really does lack a lot of context because of how often the offense was essentially letting them down. You know, they were giving up not horrid field position, but they'd consistently be, you know, at the, the 20 to 40, somewhere in there. And the defense can only get so many stops whenever they're on the field so often, and the offense isn't doing anything, but the defense did their part. You know, Kobe Savage had a great game. Austin Moore continues to be one of the best players on defense, seemingly coming out of nowhere. Daniel Green had an interception. Drake Cheatham had a near pick six. You know, the defense really did do their part, even if a few units didn't play up to our expectations.
1: Yeah, the defense was generally pretty good. They really only had one drive that I would truly characterize as being really bad, and that was in the first quarter when they gave up a 91-yard drive for a touchdown. That was a bad drive. Uh, Other than that, the drive really late in the game uh, for the touchdown, but by that point, the defense had been on the field for a lot longer uh, than they usually are uh, by that point in the game. So it is tough to complain about the defense too much. There were, there were units that I thought uh, did not have their best day and could have put forth a lot more effort, but we can get into that more during game day grades, but definitely I'll put it like this. Anytime that you only give up 17 points in a game, there's no reason that your offense shouldn't be able to pick up the slack. Any game where you hold your opponent under 20, you should be winning if you're a K-State football team. You, yeah. you, you should be able to rely on your offense to get you at least 20 points
0: yeah not only did we hold them to less than 20 we got you know multiple turnovers we had two interceptions on the day should have been three yeah. and we stopped them on fourth down a couple of times we had a couple of really important really close third downs that should have stolen momentum from them and yet it just didn't happen and this this leads to the next part the entire offense, and I do mean the entire offense, not only looked sluggish, they looked unprepared. And honestly, half of the time, I'm not even sure they knew what they were doing. You have people like Cade Warner who had a pretty good game on an RPO action run blocking. So Adrian Martinez has to throw the ball away. You have two linemen pulling to the opposite side of a running back sweep. You have wide-open reads being missed. Phillip Brooks sitting in the middle of the field, waiting for 25 years to get the football. And then you get Ben Sinnott breaking wide open up the seam three or four times a game, just not being thrown to. This offensive performance was absolutely god-awful.
1: Anything else? Or is my turn
0: it's it's your turn. I'll, I'll okay. t- I'm going to take a drink.
1: All right. Um, Yeah, you summed it up pretty well. I was completely putrid. Um, it's really getting frustrating with Adrian at this point, him staring down wide open receivers, because he is seeing them. You know, this isn't a... It would be one thing if he was missing them. That'd be a separate issue. But the problem is that he's seeing these wide open receivers, and he is elect... Like on the Philip Brooks play, that ace was talking about you've got philip brooks wide open for at least 20 yards maybe more and adrian is just holding the ball and instead tucks it and scrambles for five yards instead we end up i think punting or turning over on downs or something like that and the first game we're like okay we're keeping it vanilla like we got up early you know it, it it's just like no reason to like expend a lot of playbook here and then game two it's all right it was kind of rainy Uh, we didn't want to like pass too much. There is no more excuse because this was a game that should have been easily in hand, and we still were not opening up the playbook. And when we were, Adrian Martinez looked hesitant and unwilling to throw to wide open people. Um, although it was not just Adrian Martinez's fault this game, although he is, I I would say, probably chiefly to blame for this. There were some players who had really bad games as well. I was. I was very disappointed with the blocking performances from the tight end fullback room. There were a lot of uh, short yardage plays that would get blown up because one of the tight ends or fullbacks uh, missed a blocking assignment. Uh, Hayden Gillum had a really really bad day uh, at center. He, I think, pass block or run block grade on PFF, he got like a fifty six, and that's generous. Gen- that's very generous. I would have given him maybe around a forty five or lower, and he was responsible for a lot of running plays getting blown up in the backfield because he was just getting manhandled every single snap. It was a wholly uninspired performance from pretty much the entire offense, Uh, except for maybe the running back room. I'm not going to be too upset with them because I truly do think they did the best they could with the blocking they were getting, and they still had a solid day. It was not incredible. They they had an above average day for a normal team, but I, I'm still disappointed with them in some regard. But it was a just an all around really frustrating day. Um, n- very little good, to, if any, to take from it.
0: Yeah, and uh, more bad news on combined attempts on third and fourth down. K State was three for twenty. That's fifteen percent. I I don't think we need to say much there.
1: You are not going to win many, if any, games with a third and fourth down conversion rate of 15%. I mean, that's bad. Granted, Tulane, they were 1 of 12 on third down, 1 of 1 on fourth. But there's no reason that we should be struggling to convert third downs at that rate. And as many fourth downs as we were missing, that was the especially frustrating part, I feel, because a lot of those were fourth and one. And we just weren't converting. Our offensive line was not getting the necessary push. And tight end fullbacks were missing blocking assignments and letting guys in off the edge. It was very uninspired play calling. And it was uninspired performance as well. I'm not trying to put this all on Clyde or all on the offensive line or all on the running backs or all on Adrian Martinez because it's all of their fault. It's (laughs) everyone's fault. This is not an OC-specific issue or a quarterback-specific issue everybody had their part to play and the offense having one of the worst performances in recent memory. Um, is it? I mean, it's an embarrassing result there. There's, there's no other way to put it. This is an objectively embarrassing performance by the offense and the defense. They really tried their best a lot of the time and they still were somewhat disappointing because this is the two lane team that I, I mean, well, for one, they they were averaging like 50 points a game, and we held them to 17. But even then, there were drives where it felt like the defense was running around chickens, like uh, chickens with their head cut off. Yeah, they they were not playing super assignment sound. But then, and there were units that I don't think ex like put out great effort for uh, much of the game. But again, we'll get to that in game day grades. But yeah, offense. Uh, yeah, they're they're the chief culprit here, I th- and everybody knows that. I'm, I'm not going to harp on that too much. We'll get to it in grades when we break yeah. it down a little bit more specifically.
0: Yeah, I and and one thing that I'll say on on that is it, with with numbers like that, you'd think that we were constantly in situations where it's like third and twelve, where it's it's fourth and five you know where the in situations where it it seems like you know you're just throwing up a prayer ball you're throwing up like you're calling up draws to get better field position a lot of these were shorter they were like third and threes third and twos fourth and ones that is something that as a team i'm fine if if you're like getting third and 12s and you're not converting those that sucks but i get it You don't really have a lot of plays that you can draw up for like third and 12 and third and 15. That's fine. But if you're failing to convert on like third and three and you're failing to convert with on that with a degree of consistency, that is when I, that is where I begin to take issue because any team who is running a competent offense has at least 10 to 15 plays that they can cycle through in those situations, whether they be setting up for fourth down, whether it be you got to have it plays right now, both through the air and through the running game. And it just seemed like we didn't have those plays. And the few times that we did have the plays, like I believe it was, was it third or fourth that we ran like a field side option and the ball just wasn't pitched. And if it were, it would have been a first down. Was that third or fourth?
1: Oh, I think it was a, fourth maybe i i don't recall actually
0: i'll i will go through the plays because theoretically that's not an awful play call it, when you put it in the grander context of the game i understand why people were upset with it because it seemed like we were never passing the ball in high leverage situations but in an isolated bubble that's not a bad play call and it, yet it just came down to we didn't execute it Adrian didn't pitch the ball. He didn't get that critical first down and that's that's the story of the day. And another thing that I didn't mention is we probably should have mentioned this at the top is that you and I had a discussion earlier today through through text where you said you weren't you were more disappointed than angry in this game because you felt that this was a deserved loss. I was the exact opposite. I am angry because it was a deserved loss because we got outcoached on every level in our offensive scheming.
1: No, yeah, yeah, we totally did. I just, I don't know. Like, I was just sitting there the whole game and it just never hit me. Like, I, I was, this is this was one of the stranger losses, I think, that I've ever experienced as a K-State fan because I was just sitting there the entire game. Like, we are playing terrible and we deserve to lose this game. And if we do, then that's what happens. I was obviously I, I I was upset about it, but I just I wasn't angry about it like I have been in the past. And I I can't quite put my finger on why that is, but I I don't know I I for the <laughs> same reason like we're we're upset for the same reasons. We have just we just have completely different emotional reactions to, it, which is so interesting. But I. Yeah.
0: psychology is really interesting.
1: Yep. And I think that uh, Adrian Martinez run, uh, I think it might have been a third down if I have the right play, but there's so many like non converted third downs. So it's, it's hard to say.
0: That's sad in and of itself, but we'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit. Let's actually go through the stats. Do you want to cover offensive or defensive stats?
1: Um, Does anybody want to cover offensive stats? I'll hold the
0: L. I'll hold the L. All right. So on the day passing, A.J. Martinez was 21 on 31 attempts, 150 yards and a touchdown with a long of 21. I Yeah, high completion percentage. Congratulations. 98% of those are checkdowns. Good job, Tom Brady. On the rushing side of the ball, Deuce had a total of 20 attempts with a net of 81 yards long of 26, 4.1 per carry. Adrian Martinez had 13 carries, 59 yards, a long of 11. And then DJ Giddens, who had a surprisingly effective day, a quietly effective day when Deuce was absent, had nine attempts for a net of 46 yards with a long of 17. I really do think that DJ is going to be something special because he's He kind of has the vision that Deuce does, but he presses his blocks a lot better to where he can be a much better power back. I I really do think that DJ Ginn's is going to be something special here. So if you're looking for a bright spot, it's that, you know, DJ Ginn's looks to be living up to his potential, at least so far. Receiving Lake Knowles had five for 52 with a long of 19, including a, a couple of impressive run after the catch situations Cade Warner was four for 46 with a touchdown, including two really great catches, including a one-hander where he bailed Adrian Martinez out on the flats. And then a ball that I don't know why people are saying it was a murder ball. That's exactly where that has to be. And Cade Warner came down with it for his first career touchdown. So good job, Cade. Deuce Vaughn had eight receptions, 30 yards, long of eight yards. Sammy Wheeler had one for nine on a little spot route concept. Benson had two for seven. Should have probably had like four for eighty. Philip Brooks had one for six, including a a situation, well, two situations where he was very simply five seven, and there's nothing he can really do about being five seven unless he's coming out in platform cleats. So I, <laughs> I I don't really put a lot of that on Philip Brooks. I will say that he's been in the unfortunate situation of being a five foot seven deep threat. Uh, with a with a quarterback who can you know who can spin it can definitely still spin it but just chooses not to so that's that's offensive stats I'm gonna wash my math out while you talk about
1: defense yeah um defensively um you have Austin Moore up here at the top again leading the team in tackles he also had two tackles for loss in a sack uh he had a pretty solid game uh you really did Uh, Yet again, awesome or just kind of coming out of nowhere to be one of the better players in the team this year. Uh, Kobe Savage had seven tackles and a pick off of a pass breakup from Daniel Green. Uh, It was a really nice play. Nothing came of it, so it didn't really matter. But uh, T.J. Smith had four tackles, as did Khalid Duke. Daniel Green had four tackles, half a tackle for loss, a interception that he returned for 49 yards, and then a pass breakup that picks him into a field goal at the end of the half. Uh, That was another kind of missed opportunity where there there were questions on if Malik should have got the ball there, to put it lightly. But Daniel Green had another pretty solid day. Um, Drake Cheatham, he had a nice day as well, honestly. He had four tackles uh, and a pass breakup. So good day for Drake Cheatham. Uh, Felix and E.D.K. Uzama, he had a sack and a QB hurry. Um, He was getting pressure when he wanted, uh, but that was the thing. It was when he wanted We'll get to that more in game day grades. Uh, Jalen Pickle had three tackles in a QB hurry. Julius Brents had three total tackles, and half a tackle for loss. Josh Hayes, he had three uh, total tackles and a pass breakup. Sincere Mason had two tackles. Brendan Mott had two. Nick Allen had two. One apiece for Robert Hentz, Crew Jackson, Eli Huggins, and true freshman BJ Payne. And getting past that, Desmond Purnell and Cody Staffel IQB hurries. And then Echo Boydow had a really nice pass breakup pretty early in the game. Um and no tackles because he is Echo Boydow. So
0: Yeah. Echo Island. Yeah, you know, the only time that Echo gave anything up was on a play action to the flat in the goal line, which you know what, if you're gonna that's understandable, especially if you're being told, hey, play the run first on the goal line, which I think ninety five percent of defenses will tell you to do. So defense, statistically, they had they had a pretty good day. They were playing pretty well cohesively as a unit. And like I said, we'll go over the concerns more in game day grades, which is the segment up next. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with game day grades, we go through every single position group, including coordinators, giving them a grade from F to A+. Plus. F meaning they near single handedly lost us the game, and A plus meaning they near single handedly won us the game, or was the major reason why we won it. So let's stop beat around the bush. Let's start off with the quarterbacks. Adrian Martinez, what grade do you think he gets this week?
1: Is that rhetorical, or would you like me to? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I appreciate you keeping it light. And make sure I don't lose my mind, but to me. This this was probably the most obvious grade that I've ever had to give ever since Messingham versus Texas. And the worst part is, is it gets more obvious later on. But Adrian Martinez, as much as I don't want to do it, he gets an F exclusively because he just, he wasn't throwing the ball deep. The one time he threw the ball deep, at least, no, no, that's not true. He threw the ball like what I would consider deep twice once was a slight overthrow for a five, seven receiver that happens. The other was a perfect ball to Cade Warner in the end zone where you and I were theorizing. He was told, I don't care. He was basically told we don't care if the check down is open. You throw this damn ball. You throw this ball to Cade Warner on this fade route and just see what happens. I, yeah. I I, before we go more in depth and get into your grade, I am going to say this right now. I would rather have Nebraska Adrian Martinez warts and all because this is a defense that could absorb turnovers if it means that they get big plays in return. If you're hitting at a rate of, you know, 60 percent turnover, 40 percent big play, that is still something that this defense is talented enough to eat especially if you're throwing the ball deep to where it's basically an arm punt or if you're throwing it to certain areas of the field, like within the 20, that's fine. Yeah. It's disappointing. Red zone turnover. I get it. You want to control the ball in those situations. You also want to score in those situations, (laughs) but what, what did you give Adrian Martinez?
1: I gave him an F. I considered giving him an F plus for the really nice touchdown pass. Um, because it, it was an objectively really good throw. Yeah, like there's no getting around the fact that the one time he did go uh, further than like seven yards, uh, it was a perfect throw, exactly where Cade Warner could make the catch. Cade made a great catch. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, Fs are reserved for players that lose or for position groups that lose the game. And I think quarterback was responsible for that this week. So uh, there's no getting around it. It's an F and we were pretty generous with our QB grades the last couple of weeks as well. But I mean, though statistically this was his best outing and he still was responsible, I think for the loss because of stuff like a said, where he is just missing guys that are open downfield. I mean, when the whole student section is yelling, the name of a player who's wide open and Adrian is not throwing it to them, you know, it's obvious because even the, uh, I don't know, uh, casual fans that aren't getting into the nitty gritty. They, they're, they're seeing what we are seeing too. And it's that Philip Brooks is wide open in the middle of the field. Ben Sennett just got open, uh, at like the 10 yard line and nobody's behind him. Um, stuff like that, where guys are just open further downfield and he's taking the easy throw underneath. And that's just not going to work uh, when it gets that predictable, taking what the defense gives you can work, but you cannot exclusively do that because eventually the defense is just going to keep everything in front of them and close immediately because they know the intermediate and deep passing game is just not a threat. And if this is part of some long con, to set up the deep passing game, which I doubt it is at this point, uh, I I think we this week I think that we made it apparent that Adrian can go deep. He's just electing not to do that, and yeah. it's beyond strange to me.
0: Yeah, there, there's eight dimensional chess in this is setting up the intermediate to deep passing game, and then they're sawing off both of your legs and trying to feed them to yourself. Yeah. That. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and it's even more frustrating because you, you get in, and this is going to sound really, really like uptight. It's going to sound really, really narcissistic when I say this, but Connor, I'm not sure if you ever heard me mumbling to myself, but every single time that I saw how the defense was lining up for Tulane I would go like, oh, Deuce, like, for example, on the goal line, whenever we were, like, we had Deuce out wide to the left, I was mumbling to myself, Deuce is the hot receiver because the like he doesn't have someone over the top of him. And it just seems like times like that to where, yeah, the hot receiver would have come open because of a blitz. And again, it just, it wasn't hit. And it, that's just so unbelievably frustrating to see because i i pretend that i know what i'm talking about i i i know more than average i guess but i shouldn't be calling out what the hot receiver is seeing him break open and then watch the quarterback look away from him that shouldn't happen
1: (laughs) yeah i don't i don't get it I, i i truly don't understand because a lot of people are saying right now, and incorrectly, I think, that we should have seen this coming because of Nebraska, Adrian Martinez. But we've alluded to this already. This is the exact opposite problem of what Adrian Martinez had in Nebraska, which is at Nebraska, he was just a, a gunslinger with a high volatility rate. He was throwing the ball over the field and getting picked off a lot and bumbling a lot because he was just a playmaker. I mean, he was the Russell Westbrook of quarterbacks where, you <laughs> you, know you, you know, you take what you get. Uh, prime Russell Westbrook, I should say, not Lakers Russell Westbrook. But we're <laughs> we're getting Lakers Russell Westbrook right now, but um, he he in Nebraska was a total opposite. He was a risk taker, and he was just throwing it deep. I mean, you don't get ten thousand yards at a school on accident. You have to throw the ball down the field a little bit, and he's not doing that here. He's doing the exact opposite to the point where he's barely got three hundred yards through uh, three games, <laughs> if that. And he probably had season at Nebraska where he averaged pretty close to 300 yards per game. And thus far, he seemed wholly uninterested in going downfield when we've had guys that have been very, very open downfield. And it's getting to the point where ACU and I, in the second half, we split up what we were watching in, in game from pocket and receivers just to track and see how many like receivers were getting open. It was pretty common. And he was just missing, guys. i I will make one point in his defense where he had Philip Brooks wide open on the uh uh far sideline uh near for us, far for the team, and Philip probably any other receiver on the team makes that catch, I think. yeah, uh, but Philip is simply too short. but I mean that that could have made it a little better, I guess, but I mean not enough. I don't think to keep him from an F because I mean I do think that his timidness is costing the team games officially at this point. And questions are really gonna start coming up here in the next few weeks. So it's gonna be interesting to see how he responds to this adversity. Cause I I don't know what to expect uh, from him and how he'll respond. I mean, granted, people hated him in Nebraska for four years and he continued to play. So he's at least used to it. So we'll uh <laughs> We'll see how he uh, how he responds, because I do want him to succeed because him being successful is the difference between K-State having a shot at Arlington and missing a bowl game right now. And because if we continue to play the way that we played against Tulane for the rest of the season, this is not a bowl eligible team as things stand. Where are four games on the schedule? that you're going to win especially with all the sudden KUs decided that they have a consciousness so i mean what's heck at home TCU maybe those aren't gimmies the way this team has been playing so i don't i don't know what to expect from this team at this point yeah
0: but one one final note and i feel like this this will really this will hit home for for some people maybe it won't for us You remember how people were complaining about Will Howard and we still defended Will Howard because he was young and still learning the offense. This is a Will Howard stat line on Adrian Martinez's body. And we are upset about it because he should know better. He's not someone that's being thrust into an offense. That's not made for him. This offense, at least I hope to God it was tailored towards him. Otherwise I have other concerns. Yeah. But let, let, let's let's get off of this topic. Let's move on to something slightly brighter, and that is the running back room. And this grade has to come with a caveat of whenever you can't throw the ball deep, their strong safety is immediately going to roll down, give you a disadvantage in the box count, and therefore destroy any chance you have of having an effective running game. That said, I gave them a C plus, And that might be harsh, but honestly they didn't do enough to get anything past that. And the worst part is it's not their fault. They were the one kid in the group project who did literally everything they could. They did 95% of the work and then the rest of the team just shirked off their 5%. And it's such a shame.
1: Yeah. I gave him a B minus just, I honestly couldn't even tell you why I gave him a B minus instead of a C plus. I just guess I just wanted to see somebody on the offense with a B and the and again, like I, I think you put it put it well. Uh, you can't put a ton of the rushing game issues on the running backs because a lot of the plays are were getting blown up, they just didn't have a chance. Uh, there there wasn't much for them to do in that regard. So um, I I went with a B minus. Um, but that might be a little generous. I don't know. I, I don't have much to say about them other than I think they took what they were given.
0: Yeah. Next up, wide receivers. This is another grade that, you know, this this might be controversial. I think they did Th- – this was another difficult one. I ended up giving them a D plus, And you could argue that with an elevated quarterback performance, they probably could have gotten to the B range. Because Cade Warner had two excellent catches, and then the rest of the receiving room was really, really pedestrian. I ended up giving them a D plus just because they really, they didn't get many opportunities to showcase what they're good at. Malik got a couple of free access yards where he got maybe four or five on, you know, on rack. He had a really nice catch on the corner route, but none of those catches were particularly, you know, consequential in what they ended up happening as. So I ended up giving them a D
1: plus. I gave him a C just because there's only so much that I feel like you can blame them for when uh, really, they are at least some of them are getting open and Adrian's just not hitting them. And I, I mean, yeah, they still didn't have a phenomenal day. Uh, Philip did kind of have a pseudo drop. We were debating this even during the game yeah. on whether it was a drop or not. Uh, PFF says it is. I am not a hundred percent sure. I, I attribute blame to both Adrian with an overthrow and Philip not securing it because it was it was both it was a difficult, it was not a great throw, but it might have been catchable. It was kind of the borderline. But I mean the receivers combine here for uh 10 receptions. Phillip Brooks only gets one for six. Malik gets five for fifty-two, and Cade gets four for 46 and the touchdown and the one-handed catch. Um, there's not a ton really to say here other than they they were really, really mediocre. Um, so I gave him a C for it. But again, a lot of that is because I think a lot of their failings this week were on Adrian. Uh, kind of the opposite of last week where I felt like the receiver core uh, really let Adrian down a lot with uh, some big drops. But this week it's been the opposite.
0: Yeah. Next room is tight ends, fullbacks. This is the epitome of three snaps could change this grade to a B plus for me three snaps. But as it stands, they were consistently getting absolutely waxed in the running game. Sammy Wheeler is not a blocking tight end. I don't know why we keep using him as a blocking tight end. If we should, it it should, I'd honestly give Connor Fox those snaps granted Connor Fox might explode if he gets hit anymore. So maybe that's why we're not but at least put Ben Sinnott on the strong side to me they got they don't deserve anything better than a D because of how many lead blocks they missed how many ceiling blocks they missed it was this is a day where you have to grade them on their blocking not their receiving talent and
1: they didn't play well I toyed with giving them a D I gave them barely a C minus just because there were opportunities for Adrian to find them deep and he just elected not to. Like you said, they were very close to a B plus day. Uh, but yeah, like also, like you said, they were terrible in run blocking Sammy Wheeler specifically allowed uh, at least one edge rusher in to stop a fourth down conversion um, maybe two times. They were not doing a good job blocking whatsoever. Um, It it was a really frustrating performance for them in the run blocking game. Uh, They were uh, technically present in the passing game, but the stat sheet barely shows it. Uh, They, they should have had more uh, because Senate, he to his credit, he did break deep uh, at least once. Uh, But, just not getting seen by adrian so i couldn't be i couldn't go as far down as a d just because i do think that the receiving game they they did really put for put a good foot forward there but yeah blocking i mean they were just really bad
0: yeah speaking of blocking the offensive line room which if it if it wasn't for a torrentially disappointing performance at another position, this would have been the most disappointing group of the week for me. Because I, I will maintain this. Their defensive line group is not good. They are assignment sound. They are not good. They're not world beaters. They're not particularly athletic. They are assignment sound players. This is a line that we should have easily easily been able to blow the doors off of i'm talking they get they're in the linebackers laps for like 50 percent of the play and it just didn't happen pass blocking was fine pass blocking they were fine but it's in the run blocking they were so unbelievably disappointing In a unit that, and yes, I know, it's because they were playing the run every single snap. That probably inflates their pass-blocking numbers and deflates their run-blocking numbers. I know defensive linemen play differently when they know it's going to be a run versus when they know it's going to be a pass. I know. That doesn't mean that this offensive line should not have completely and utterly dominated them, no matter what. Especially on short yardage situations. I'm pretty sure we outweighed them by a significant margin and we just failed to get any push. This was the most concerning performance the offensive line has ever given ever since I've been a K-State student and ever since I have started watching K-State football, which granted, it's only been about five or six years now. But still, this is, they don't get an F, they get a D from me exclusively because they were good in pass protection.
1: I gave him a D plus, mainly because I do feel like uh, Hayden Gillum really drug this group down in the run-blocking game. There were multiple occasions, I, I'd say several, where it really seemed like he was the guy getting beat off the snap, and that was what was really messing up a lot of uh, running concepts was his a performance in the middle of the offensive line. Um, LIA said they were pretty good in pass protection. Actually, they were really good for the most part. And, um, uh, but running, it was, it was awful because I mean, that's a, granted, I will say Tulane, I mean, they're stacking the box in those situations because they know what's coming. Um, There's only so much the offensive line can do, but even when the box wasn't stacked, it seems like it was such a, it was like pulling teeth to get them to get a push. Um, It, it was really frustrating to watch, especially when you see the same guy over and over and over. Uh, just getting beat. This is a game where having Taylor Poitier is probably adding like another thirty to forty yards to your rushing total because at least if Panzer or if uh, Gillum's struggling at center, you can try Panzer, but you can't really swap those two guys unless you are gonna go even deeper into your depth chart. So that that I think that injury really showed itself here in this game. But I I, I gave him a D plus, but a lot of that is just one particular pair player really dragging down that grade, at at least from, from what we saw from the stands.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I almost completely forgot the play where they were running a quarterback sweep and two of them decided to pull the opposite direction of the sweep, which first off, I hope that is a mistake. I hope that that is a, I hope that that is them making a mistake because if that's how that
1: play is drawn up, we're
0: screwed <laughs> so screwed we're so unbelievably screwed it's, it's mis-
1: you see ace it's misdirection by just not blocking where the play is going so they won't believe it
0: the problem is they didn't <laughs> believe it they didn't believe they were pulling to the other side and so they just blew it, up the Ace, run. you don't
1: understand it's the long con this is <laughs> this is we lost this game on purpose to get the rest of the big 12 to sleep
0: Ah, we lost this game on purpose. So it we was it be was a tactical going into Oklahoma,
1: yes, obviously, because we don't. Yeah, we didn't want to be ranked playing OU, because that that would be That's a disaster. A as set. as we all know, that would be a disaster. So can't do that. Walter,
0: you? Are the only think, thing? Keeping think big right
1: now. Think bigger, Ace. This is much larger than Tulane. This is Arlington. <laughs> Fourteen and ones in play. You just got to see it, man. Oh my God. All right.
0: So that's the offensive position side of the ball. Now we can move on to much brighter pastures, which is the defense. Unfortunately, we have to start off with probably the most rough part of the defense, which is the defensive line. Now, let me say something really fu- really quickly. This has always been a defensive line based mostly off of motor. This is, it's been high effort pass rushing mixed with pretty like plus athletic talent, I feel like whenever we lost Matlick, there was something that was taken away from the motor. Brendan Mott's not bad. He's not bad. In fact, honestly, he's been really, really good, like shockingly good. But it felt, and I didn't notice it until you pointed it out to me about like five, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned, no, actually, no, I'll, I'm not going to steal your take. You can go ahead and and, and say it.
1: All right. This was probably the least inspired defensive line performance that I've seen in a while. Luckily, because of how talented they are, they still had an okay game, but this is probably the only unit on the team that can get away with that. But also, it felt like there were so many plays where the defensive line was just kind of standing straight up and not really doing a whole lot on obvious passing plays, and the motor was not there. They were playing completely uninspired a lot of the time when they were trying, they were dominating Felix. He just one play decided to take over and he got a sack out of it. You know, what's Uh, he going to do? Step in. Yeah, he did. And he had a great snap, but then it seemed like they were taking a lot of snaps off. And some of that probably does come back to the fact that the offense was not able to stay on the field very well. And they weren't putting up points and supporting the defense. So they were playing more snaps and they were on the field longer, um, and even even still, I'm I'm criticizing the defensive line a lot. They had a pretty solid game. They were fine, I guess, but the motor was not there like we're used to seeing for a lot of these guys. And I think I think you made a good point on Nate Matlick being gone because he is he's a high motor, high athletic player with a really good technique. He's, he's a vital part of that pass rush, even if he's not getting the stats, because he is destroying the pocket just through sheer effort and athleticism. And once he was gone, that element was gone as well. And Brandon Mott filled in pretty decently, I'd say. But yeah, there were just a lot of guys that, a lot of plays, I should say, where the, the requisite effort was not being uh, put in. By the defensive line it was really odd I was not used to seeing it I noticed it a lot more in the second half where yeah there were just a lot of guys just kind of standing uh and they were putting hands into offensive linemen but they weren't really making active moves I I don't know if that was by design I don't know why it would be but it it, it was very strange um and when they were trying they were winning but a lot of times they they weren't moving very well. There wasn't a lot of effort being put in, at least from my perspective. It was very strange and a little disappointing.
0: Yeah. What What did you end up giving them as as your grade?
1: After all that, I gave them a B minus because they still <laughs> had like a like a solid game. But again, like I said earlier, they're maybe the one unit on this team that can get away with kind of trying and still having a good game. Because they did get a lot of QB hurries, they were getting pressures, they were getting home a lot, and if they try at that level the entire game, this is honestly a game that KC might have been able to win, just by virtue of the defensive line alone, but they didn't put in 100% effort 100% of the time. I get that you get tired. I mean, it's easy to say when you're not the one out there on the the field when it's really hot and humid out, uh, and the sun is beating down on you. You know like oh try harder like that that's like that's much easier said than done yeah and, but,
0: you, and you're you're probably demoralized because you look on the opposite side of the ball and you're just like okay well I get maybe five minutes rest before I have to go back out there
1: uh, turn over and down, so you're back out there two minutes the yeah I it was one of the stranger performances I've seen in a while uh Eli Huggins had one of his quietest he had his quietest day of the season uh for sure d hence after a really great performance last week fell off the face of the earth yeah um um,
0: jumped twice when he is the nose tackle
1: yeah a rough performance uh brendan mott was solid he was okay stunt god brandon mott (laughs) yeah uh felix he had his one great play whether that was an incredible effort sack that he got but just it wasn't what you would expect. Uh, it was disappointing.
0: And and I will say that I, I was high on this offensive line going into this game. I thought that they were a good unit. I ended up giving our defensive line a B just because this, like, yes, this was a good unit, but we weren't even playing particularly the gap sound, you know, and that's kind of the bare minimum. So, and I, I, I hesitate to say that they like, weren't trying at all. And I know that's not what you're saying because I know you and your room, your, your IQ is above the average room temperature of Alaska, but
1: most of the time, most
0: of the time, but I agree with you. It did seem like there were a few times that it's like, okay, I need to make sure I don't get blown backwards. That's my responsibility this play. I don't need to do anything else. But moving on from that, we can move on to the two best rooms of the day, which is starting off with the linebacker room. I ended up giving them an A. I know Daniel Green's interception uh, was an awful throw. That said, he was in the perfect place and also at such a weird depth for a linebacker to be that that honestly is a play that he to himself deserves. Like he gets credit for that one. But outside of that, the linebackers, when they weren't getting washed in the running game because, you know, we refused to stay out, we refused to get out of that three man front where, you know, if you run duo, you die. But <laughs> it it they had a really, really good day. Solid tackling day from Austin Moore. Nick Allen even had a, a really nice tackle, if I'm remembering correctly. Or at least he was in on one, at least he was nearby. Because I remember saying, hey, Nick Allen's signing, and then he did something. And I'm like, hey, okay, that's cool. Bye, Nick Allen.
1: <laughs> Never going to see him again. Never
0: <laughs> see him I say that. Game.
1: He plays every game. <laughs> yeah. But
0: Austin Moore, Daniel Green, Khalid Duke all had really good games. All were, I would say, kind of the glue unit that kept the entire defense as going as well as they did. So I ended up giving them an A.
1: I gave them an A-. minus. Basically the same reasons as you. Uh, not a lot of complaints about Austin Moore and Daniel Green. They continue to be the most consistent unit on this team uh, so far this year. Uh, Will Honus uh, still is not back. Uh, Sean Robinson is gone forever, uh, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, the, the linebackers, they really performed at a at a pretty high level for the entire game. Uh, they continue their reign of terror on the defense, and I appreciate that. Uh, Khalid Duke. Uh, he was probably the best effort pass rusher when he was rushing the pass, at least the most consistent, yeah. I would say, in that regard. He's looking more comfortable, I'd say, week by week, uh, which is good. Um, then, yeah, Nick Allen had a tackle. Crew Jackson, uh, he gets a tackle as well. I completely missed that happening. It must have been special teams, I think. Yeah, um, Gavin Fourche got meaningful snaps in this game as well. Uh, because we saw 27 just sprinting onto the field, and Ace and, and Ace and I were like, "Who is that?" And we were like, "Oh, that's Gavin Forche. What are you doing here?" But it's like, "Oh, uh, I'm you, Gavin. What's up? Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's uh, up, buddy?" Uh,
1: yeah. Then Desmond Pernell, he added a QB hurry. Uh, we've been seeing a lot more of him. Than I think anybody anticipated uh at Sam so far this year. Which, granted, there's now all of a sudden more playing time available that Sean Robinson is no longer with the team, which is a shame. Could happen to anybody. But Maybe yeah, we could route. move
0: four to Sam, you know? Uh,
1: we mean... should be doing that. We but, should absolutely do that.
0: Hey, you know, if you look back on my personal recruiting grades, uh, it's it's quite clear that I'm not on the staff, nor <laughs> should that <I> be. I <laughs> oh, story, though. But the next room is defensive backs. And if linebacker was the glue unit, I would kind of, if we're going to use the arts and crafts analogy, I'd say that the DBs were the paper. They were a really, really good unit the entire day. The only time that I could really complain about them was the one time I weirdly saw Julius Brenz put his hand in the dirt like he was lining up as an edge rusher. That's not a complaint against him. I just thought it was really weird. But
1: yeah, that was a little strange. Yeah, the
0: I can't think of any situations where the they got absolutely decimated in coverage. Kobe Savage did come up way too hot on a tackle and miss one, but when you're a motor player whose number one goal is kill, that is that's an acceptable outcome. But the defensive backs had a pretty good day. The one touchdown was given up by Echo on play action at the goal line, which again, Echo Island is still very much in force. That's just a very special case where they allowed a tourist boat to come and see the island. Yeah, but. I ended up giving them an A. This was a really good performance by them, which makes it all hurt so much more.
1: I gave them a B plus, but that doesn't mean they had a bad game. Uh, I still thought they had a good game. I just have high expectations for this unit uh, week in, week out. So I do grade them a little bit tougher than some of the other units on the team. Uh, Like, like on offense, I was generous to the receivers, Uh, but uh, defensive backs, I, I do grade them more difficultly. Like Kobe Savage, he had a pick off of Daniel green. Uh, interception daniel green gets the assist there so he gets one pick and then a pick assist uh he has really been awesome in coverage i know that's kind of a linebacker thing but daniel green the last couple weeks has been great in coverage yeah kobe savage he uh did get beat once i think we gave up like a 30 to 40 yard pass at one point to set up that lead touchdown i think i think that was kobe savage but then again they've been on the field for so long at that point it's tough to be that upset with him. Uh, but yeah, Kobe Savage had seven tackles. Julius was fine. Gave up a few like RPO slams, but there's really it's difficult to do much about that. Yeah, uh, Echo had a really nice pass breakup uh, early in the game uh, where I was sure that it was caught, and he was just able to get his hands in there and just barely break it up. Uh, Dre Cheatham had a pass breakup as well. Josh Hayes did too. Um, yeah, they they played pretty solid, I'd say. Um, Again, this is a winning performance most weeks from the defense as a whole. Kind of the exception of defensive line. But yeah, B plus for me for defensive backs.
0: Now it's time for offensive coordinator. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm going to be mean. I'm going to be mean in a way that only someone with love in their heart can be because I know he can take it. I'm going to be brutally and unapologetically mean because the best way that I could describe this game from an offensive play calling standpoint was schematically brain dead. This is what happens if you, like Colin Klein was getting absolutely just decimated in how play calling was going. This is kind of what I imagine would happen if you went back in time to like 600 BC and played 100 Gex to a peasant. Their head would just explode. I'm pretty sure they would just have a heart attack and die right there. And that is kind of how I felt watching this offense. Because every single play call that was made was so brutally uninspired so brutally incoherent, that at least, with and God help me, at least in the Texas game with Messingham last year, I understood what he was going for. I thought it was stupid what he was going for. I didn't think it would work, but I understood what he was trying to do in that game. He was trying to take the weight off of the shoulders of a newer quarterback. That shouldn't be what he was doing, but I understood that that's what he was doing. I have absolutely no no single unitary clue what Colin Klein's game plan was. I don't know. I don't get it. Because there's not, it, there are like three play calls that I say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then a bunch of vertical plays, a corner route, an RPO where Cade Warner's blocking for some reason, offensive linemen pulling the wrong way, which is on the offensive coordinator and failure to prepare. I, there, this is the easiest grade that I've ever had to give out. And I said it to you earlier. I'm going to show restraint. I've had my one, but there is a grade worse than F. Messingham earned it last year. Colin Klein is earning it this year. You can guess what the F stands for. Colin Klein gets a failing grade. And there's absolutely nothing else I can say about it. I've exhausted it. Again, I'm going to wash out my mouth. You can just do your thing
1: yeah i gave colin klein an f as well um the lone defense of colin klein and this is just a devil's advocate because i i I like to try and find the the good side i mean i I like star wars the last jedi for crying out loud like uh klein i i at least get why he was running a lot of vertical stuff because dudes were getting open just you can't for you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink and i mean you can lead an adrian martinez to wide open receivers but you can't make them throw it to him. so but regardless i think that we ran that stupid shuffle pass thing like three or four different oh times oh my god we stole
0: hey guys i just found this new play that the kansas city chiefs ran last year you mean the same play that literally every college offense stole last year And only use on the goal line? Well, yeah, we can use it on the goal line. That's our goal line, Colin. Colin, that is wrong goal goal line. line.
1: (laughs) Wrong goal line, Colin Klein. He was thinking back to that, like, really poorly done, like, reverse, like, behind the back jump pass thing we did against Miami in 2012. And he's like, we should, like, try something worse than that. And let's also try it six times after it doesn't work, like, every single time. Like surely one of these is going to work.
0: Let's so do our fourth
1: and five, yeah, to seal um, the game. Yeah, fourth and five to like like ruin the game. Just I just absolutely dumbfounding stuff. I I don't have an i an iota of an idea what he was going for in this one. Um, there. The most of the play calling was like generic cookie cutter stuff. I mean, like, I was a freshman in high school. Like, we had an old high school football coach that just said 31 quick trap half the time, and it worked because it was high school. Colin Klein, we're playing power five football, my man. Like, my
0: brother in Christ, please.
1: sir, these games have stakes. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Madden. <laughs> like i i i just don't understand the running a lot behind a line that proved it was really going to struggle to run block uh, especially up the middle um passing deep with a with a quarterback that had decided he would not be doing that um unless explicitly told to if you believe the completely baseless conspiracy theory that Ace and I have about him about that throw that they literally just said we don't care if he pick if it gets picked just throw it just try it please do something and it worked and he didn't do it again but
0: that's the worst part he's shown that he can throw an accurate vertical pass he just doesn't do
1: it yeah that that's what makes that throw in hindsight so frustrating is he he showed it against south dakota with the throw to philip brooks I, I swear, I think it I think he has to actively be told to throw deep. We might get to the point where we just run max protect and send Malik on a flyer out. And it's like, you're either throwing it out of bounds, taking a sack, or throwing a jump ball to Malik Knowles here, man. Like, we might tell him to throw a pick on purpose next week just to get it over with. Like,
0: Stop being afraid of it. But yeah, this is this I, not Adrian's segment. It's, it's Collins.
1: Yeah, Klein just... He he just didn't have his finger on the pulse of this game. I'm not ready to say that he's worse than mess. I've seen people do that. I yeah. think it's far. I think it's far too early to say that. Mainly because I think we need at least a season to make an accurate description. Unless things continue to be this bad, then I will not put qualifiers on that statement. But, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's an obvious F. I mean, it just a complete uninspired play Colin.
0: Yeah. It. I'm gonna seal this from from the takeaway segment later. this I think the worst part is is that I know he can do better because I've seen him do better. This isn't like Courtney messingham, where you know, it's you know, he was consistently average to below average. This isn't him to where I can see. I watched Colin Klein call a great game against lSU. And I think the difference is, is that he was calling plays in that game. Like, and of course you could say, oh, it's because he had Skyler Thompson. Oh, it's because of X, Y, and Z. No, it's the scheming. The scheming was outright better that game too, because we came out with a coherent plan. He's calling plays now like he has something to lose. And yeah, technically he does have something to lose, but that's not how you call offensive plays.
1: Yeah, I he... He's yeah, he, he honestly is calling plays like he too is afraid for Adrian to throw a single pick. And I, I think he has to realize that it doesn't matter if he throws zero picks in a whole season, that's not the number that matters. At the end of the day, I mean, I th- I think any KSA fan would be fine with Adrian throwing 10 picks if he threw like 30 touchdowns, it's not gonna happen. But I'll, I mean,
0: I'll take like honestly, I'd take like 15 and 20,
1: yeah, like. Okay. I just wanted to
0: throw the ball.
1: Yeah, like you, you gotta give a little, to take a little here, Colin. Um, granted, I don't think it's all Colin. I think some of that's Adrian, but it's definitely a mix of both. Because Colin had a whole off season with Adrian uh, to figure out the scheming, so at least some of that, if not all of it, is on him. So, yeah, we're we're kind of running in circles at this point. Yeah, it's enough.
0: Yep. But luckily. The defensive side of the ball, the defensive coordinator gets a really, really good grade. Not Colin Clanderman. Oh my goodness gracious! The Clandyman. Goodness, Uh. (laughs) Clanderman, Clandyman. He gets an A from me because really, for how much his defense was on the field, and the the weird part is is that I think time of possession was actually pretty similar, but. It's because both sides were like, "Okay, I don't want this football anymore. Here, you can have it." It's like that episode of SpongeBob. Good. Now let him have it. You can have. It. <laughs> I, it, Clannerman really did have a good day, calling the offensive. I mean, ugh, the defensive plays. He was dialing up pretty solid blitzes, pretty solid coverage designs. I, I'm not sure if, again, if it was designed to where. Daniel Green is playing like 87 and a half billion light years away from the ball but it worked he was consistently calling coverages that would limit if not eliminate the RPO game which by virtue of the RPO game being what it is you're gonna lose some and the only reason he doesn't get an a plus is because of the few times that I noticed we kind of got caught with our pants down whenever they came out in a bunch set we didn't play the bunch correctly we let ourselves get two on three which is Easy yards for screens. That happens. That's fine. I'm gonna give him an A.
1: I actually gave him a, a little bit lower. Not that much, but I gave him B plus. Part mainly, most of that is because I feel like the defense came out so flat in this game. uh I feel like um, it, they looked unprepared. I mean, they gave up a 91 yard touchdown drive to to Lane. They. Granted, a lot of their issues down the stretch were, I think, fatigue related, and honestly, a lot of that can be pinned on the offense. Like that's not that's not Kländerman's fault, but I feel like it did feel like they, at the beginning of the game, they really didn't seem like they were ready. Uh, the defensive line didn't seem as motivated as the rest of the unit. So I gave him a B plus. He was fine. I felt like Kländerman, but I, I I expect more from the defense, especially if this is the offense we're going to be having. This is going to need to be like last-year Georgia levels of defense to, like, (laughs) win. Yeah. I mean, like, because as things stand, like, as things stand right now, this K-State team is literally just Iowa. Oh, God. But the more frustrating part is we're going to have playmakers on this team that we just cannot get the ball to. Iowa doesn't even have the playmakers. We have them. We just can't use them.
0: That's so painful.
1: I mean, that is if this level of play continues, which one Hopefully. game. One game. Like at the end of the day, it is one game. Obviously a letdown game. But you know, we we have at here at the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, over the last couple of weeks, we have uh, I feel like we've tried to calm the waters on concern with the offense. We've been very much like, oh, okay, like, uh, blowout didn't need to do anything crazy or oh, weather was bad. Like, like in a vacuum, those are totally like acceptable reasons for an offense maybe not firing on all cylinders or having the greatest day, but there is no excuse in this Tulane game to have as bad of a performance as the offense had. and I I, I no longer feel like making qualifying statements uh, that. Say, oh well, they'll probably do better next week, or they'll unleash the uh, play calling more as the season goes. I'm no longer going to defend the offense based off like hypotheticals and potential scenarios. Like they're going to have to show me, and I, I'm not defending them anymore. Like that—that that was a waste of time. Or right, my bad. Like, yeah, I,
0: being being fair, most people were, and those were legitimate qualifiers. We just we we couldn't have known.
1: Yeah. And the sad thing is, is the coaching staff playing in uh, to those qualifiers as well. And then this happens when those qualifiers are gone.
0: Yeah, and then Kleiman in the postgame presser is like, we have to throw the ball deep more. Adrian responds to, to the question of, do you think you were too conservative or something that affects like, no, I don't think so. That's a problem. <laughs> That's
1: a major issue. Red flag. <laughs> there were... um. I don't know. A lot of times in my time at K-State and ASU two, people love to, in the student section, there's nothing that idiot like students love saying more than, oh, put in the backup QB. Like they love nothing more than the second, the quarterback has a bad throw to just be like, throw in the backup. But I mean, if this play continues, it's not sustainable. Like, I don't care if he's a team captain. I don't care if he's like the big graduate transfer. At some point, something will have to happen. I'm not there yet because, you know, I I think we need to see this against Oklahoma. I want to see what he does against Oklahoma. Yeah, Because
0: being completely fair to being completely fair to Adrian Martinez. Skyler had a similarly bad performance against Baylor last year. Baylor is a better team, but. He, Skyler did not have a good game. Sometimes good players have bad games. I just hope that that's what this is, but I'm starting to have my doubts. But getting off that train, now we get to answer the questions that we posed going into the game. As if this episode wasn't sad enough. The first question we had, against a weak defensive line, can the O-line give up fewer than four TFLs? The answer was no, they gave up six.
1: Nope. Moving on.
0: Can the receivers finally put it all together? By put it all together, if did I mean, depends on what you mean, because they were getting separation with a degree of consistency. They just weren't getting the ball.
1: Yeah. They tried. There, there was effort there. But...
0: That's about all you can say there.
1: Yeah.
0: Is Adrian finally have a situation where he can throw it around a bit? Situation, yes. Ability, No.
1: I was about to say that, yeah. Technically, yes. That question was yes. He just didn't take advantage of it.
0: Does Can K-State's defense keep rolling? Honestly, I would qualify this as yes, they kept rolling, given the context.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's fair.
0: Does Deuce break 150 yards rushing? Nope. No. And even if he wasn't injured for most of the third quarter, the answer would still probably be no. Yep. Can K State's defensive line dominate a solid offensive line group versus Tulane? Dominate? No. Hold their own consistently. Yes. Except for when Felix decided that oh, what's Felix gonna do? Step in.
1: <laughs> this they could have dominated this group, I think, if they felt like it. Yeah.
0: So that's the that's the answering the pregame questions. Now we can go into offensive and defensive MVPs. Um, yeah, you know what? No, I, uh, I'm not going to give an offensive MVP. This offensive performance is not worthy of an offensive MVP because to have a value, most valuable player, your offense has to have value. So no one gets MVP for me.
1: I'm going to give out an MP, which is most player of the game. <laughs> and that's going to Cade Warner. For having like two of the three good plays which were a touchdown and a one-handed catch and then deuces like long run for 26 yards was the other good one so first non-deuce mvp by technicality because they technically was not an mvp this week but Cade warner was certainly one of the players of all time this week and getting his first career touchdown i'll unironically give him most player of all time or most player of the game i should say the uh, that's it.
0: Yeah. Defense. I feel like this one's easy for me. My pick is Daniel Green, not because, and it's, you know, it's not just because of the really good interception. He was playing really well in the run game. He Daniel Green was Daniel Green this game, and if there's one player that makes this defense, I think what it is, it's, you know, Felix contributes, Nick Matlick contributes. I about call him his brother's name. I about call him Nick, but <laughs> he's not on the team, but. Daniel Green is kind of the glue guy that makes this defense what it is this year. He's the leader of the mob and he's going to get the MVP for me this week.
1: Um, Just to differentiate, I'll give it to Austin Moore because he has statistically the best week with eight tackles, two for loss, and a sack. And he's just been great all year. I'm I'm on the Austin Moore hype train. Daniel Green I think has equal claim uh, to this uh, prestigious award. But I'll say Austin Moore.
0: All right. So now we can go into the takeaways, starting with a positive one, the defense. Once again, it's still a legit defense. Whenever you're on the field for as often as they are, and you're getting as many plays run against you as they are, you're going to give up a few. I don't think this takes away from the legitimacy of this unit.
1: Yeah. Uh, copy and paste what you said. The defense, I really do think, had a nice game. Maybe would have preferred to not have that really long touchdown drive in the first quarter. I would have preferred zero touchdown drives, personally. But um, I, I, I'm i not going to split hairs too much when, you know, the offense should have been able to score more than 10. Like, there's no reason that you should ever lose a game where you hold your opponent at 17. So,
0: yeah. Next is if this team ends up rebounding as in winning more games and getting momentum, it'll be on the back of the defense. Cause at this point, I feel like the offense, at least as we've seen them presented is not the spark plug for this team. The defense is by far, not only the more impressive unit, but also the defense is the unit that the entire team seems to feed off of.
1: Yeah. And I think coming into the year, I think that we expected this to be a defensively focused team where they were the better unit as a whole, but I don't think anybody anticipated to this degree. So major, major frustration in that regard, but yeah, uh, I totally agree with that sentiment. Yep. Next one,
0: three words, 9 AM is broken.
1: Yeah. It's unbelievable. The Adrian Martinez, I think that we've gotten so far. I mean, because it's a complete opposite. Everybody had concern, but everything that's happening is the opposite, I think, of what people were concerned about. And people are people are doing victory laps right now, but Adrian not being good. But I, I think that's a red herring because this is not why people were worried about Adrian Martinez. People are worried about him being turnover prone. He's the opposite. He's uh, completely risk averse. Uh, he He looks afraid to throw the ball downfield, which is the opposite Adrian that we knew from Nebraska. The it's like, yeah, I know exactly. And he, it, it, it's like he wants to rebrand himself almost because he's, he's known as being Adrian Martinez, the risk taker and turn machine. And I think he really wants to get rid of that moniker, but it is just not working.
0: Yeah. It, man, I, You don't throw for 10,000 yards anywhere on accident. It, it just, I know it, you know, in, in a perfect situation, you have a quarterback that knows what risks to take, knows that there are smart risks and there are dumb risks to take. At the exact same time, I pose this question to you. Would you rather have college Zach Wilson or NFL Alex Smith? And I'm not talking about Chiefs NFL Alex Smith. I'm talking about 49ers NFL Alex Smith. Which would you rather have?
1: Is this rhetorical?
0: I, you can answer it. It's you, a question you, you, for everybody.
1: You're, you're going somewhere with it, so you answer. <laughs> I, I would always prefer Zach
0: Wilson. Did Zach Wilson have turnover-worthy plays? Yes. Does he still have turnover-worthy plays? Yes. But he's someone that can spark an offense. He's someone that you look at is like, I can get behind him because at the very least, I know that he's going to uncork a ball and he's going to get us explosive plays. He's going to get this offense vertical. He's going to make it to where the defense has to think, okay, this is a threat to where this ball could get bombed deep at any time. The defense does not feel safe whenever you have a gunslinger on the field. Because yeah, he may turn it over at a high clip as he's done in the NFL level. But at the exact same time, that's because he's throwing it deep and they have to adjust for the fact that he's throwing it deep. That opens up the running game. That opens up the short passing game. I would take someone with a home run hitting mentality 10 times out of 10 over someone who's simply going to check it down every play. Of course, if that's the binary, that's what I'm taking. Ideally, you want someone who knows when to take smart risks. But give me the guy who's batting 180 and hits 40 home runs than the guy who's batting like 250.
1: Never scores. Never, never bats scores. guys in. Never does anything. So.
0: Yeah, that, That's an interesting you know, hypothetical. But next one is Hayden Gillum really got worked. By a, a, we'll say mid, generously mid defensive tackle. And that's really a cause for concern because Noah Johnson had bad games last year. This might be up there with the worst Noah Johnson game from last year.
1: Yeah, uh, it was bad. I mean, it it was pretty obvious to us after a while too. Where he was just having a bad game, he brought down the entire offensive line. Honestly, with his run blocking performance, which was a shame, Uh, but it's 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 not that situation can't continue.
0: Yeah, we already covered this next one. Colin Klein is calling plays like he has something to lose, and you can't do that. Yeah, you. It goes back to quarterbacks. Would you? Rather, it, Same analogy. Would you rather have an offensive coordinator who's, you know, looking to bomb it deep, or would you rather have that offensive coordinator who's like, okay, you know, taking the check down here is okay. Oh shucks, you know, we have to punt it every once in a while, but at least we're 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 efficient. Again, you you want you want a balance. The, The problem is that Colin Klein isn't running a West Coast system; he's running a college system. A college system that favors above all else misdirection and big plays. At least that's what I've gathered. I haven't asked him. That'd be a very interesting question to ask him. If his, if that's his offensive like philosophy, if it's based off of of misdirection and big plays, because if he's running a West Coast offense, he's doing a god awful job
1: of it. I was actually thinking about that today, and that was the closest that I could get to what I thought he was run, trying to run, I should say, was West Coast. I think, ideally, he wants to be a West Coast mastermind, but it's just not working right now because there's no threat of the deep ball, no right. threat of the big play. So. And I'm
0: not sure that our offense is as modular as a West Coast offense would need to be. There's a reason why West Coast offenses are... You know, relatively rare and have been replaced with RPO offenses in in college. RPO is simpler. It's not as modular, but it but it's simpler. There's a reason why you hear like you know the deep play out like split shotguns, it's called six eighty nine out of splitbacks and like NCAA. That's quite literally just what they call those routes. It's a six and eight and a nine because every single route in the West coast system is based off of a number from, I think it's one to nine, or it could be one to 12, but I think it's one to nine, but you know, the, the offense hasn't shown the ability to be that modular. It's running West coast principles without the, the big part that what makes the West coast offense work, but that's neither here nor there. That's just like a note on scheming, but he's, He's calling plays like he's afraid for his job already. When it honestly, I wish he had the different reaction. I wish we had the the one where he was auditioning to get the job. To where he's like, okay, yeah, I can do this. Like I can scheme this guy open, no problem. I can call the running game. I can adjust if the running game isn't working a certain way. And we just haven't seen that yet. It's so abundantly disappointing. Yep. Anyway, the last one is you can kind of tell throughout the entire, th- through, you know, through our demeanor, throughout the entire episode, the hype is. I'm not saying it's entirely dead, but it is currently comatose and in critical condition. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um uh... This game was at its core reality check, not just for the team but for the whole fan base, because uh, this. though Everybody had very, very high hopes for this year, but I alluded to it earlier. You know, if this is what we can expect from the offense all year, this is not a bowl team. This is not an above five hundred team because the defense that is a Arlington defense, but the offense that's a four to five win team right there generously.
0: And I, if you would have told me going into this game that I would be scared of our matchups against West Virginia, not because we're going to Morgantown, but because our offense sucks or that we'd be scared playing KU at the end of the year, you know, KU could still fall apart. I really do think that, and again, this is completely takey and, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt as someone who grew up an MU fan and now goes to K-State. So I may have a little bit more hatred of KU than most. But I think that KU is one loss away from completely falling apart. I think they're a team that is based entirely off of momentum. So the moment that momentum gets stopped, they fall apart. I'm not sure it's a team that can respond well to losing because look at what happened last year. But, you know, I... This game, if we get this offense against KU, the streak's over. It's that simple. If we run this offense throughout the entire year, we may sneak one. And, you know, I always say that we lose a game every year that we shouldn't, and we look awful doing it. I hope this is that game. Because if we have more than one, this is going to be a long
1: and painful season. (laughs) Yep. Um not much to add to that, really, yeah. yeah so
0: that, if you've made it this far, by the way, congratulations to you because wow, <laughs>
1: you're you're now an official alley cat. congratulations yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't I don't know what that entails. I'm not making any promises, but it's it's certainly something, and you should be proud, yeah i I
0: you know what i'm honestly kind of proud of myself i only had one i really expected there to be like three or four i almost I, had I, another one
1: <laughs> i i thought that you would go a little crazier but i don't know i i i've been pretty uh temperamental i guess on this game or pretty uh apathetic. mellow yeah yeah apathetic i guess is a good word it's a little depressing but yeah it's kind of close to it i it was tough for me to be upset about it just because i mean we just played awful the whole game and by the end i was numb i was like yeah we we sure did lose and i saw that coming you know once we got into the second half and nothing changed i had a brief bit of hope in the second quarter when it looked like we were trying but that went away
0: but yeah but moving on to next week it's a big one primetime matchup fox Oklahoma and Norman. Keep an eye out for the yeah. for the game preview on that one.
1: If you want to revive a season, there's one way to do it, and it's somehow beat OU. But that is looking like a long ways away right now. But
0: maybe, maybe when we do a little bit of film study, we can we can find a little bit of something or two to give us a little bit of hope because a little bit of hope can go a long way. But that's a little less a shovel option. Yeah. It's not even an option, but it's just a shovel. Yeah, I was generous. But that wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact or follow the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAcat, no, AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards 00.
1: I am at Connor Boutlesor, capital C, capital B.
0: And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville AlleyCats merch store, link in our Twitter bio, as well as the podcast description, where you can find the staff approved Doom Tang Clan shirts, the Neon AlleyCat shirt, and of course, Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most of all, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggie Bo Alley Cats podcast. Where come Rain Shine or anything in between? We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.